Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Today I get to talk to you on the subject, just okay? And uh, it, it'll make sense to you here in just a few moments. So some of you are, are pretty wise in your, uh, in your research, and you've probably already figured out where this is coming from. Uh, so AT&T has this series of commercials that point out that medio- mediocre service and performance is just not acceptable. And the campaign pushes the idea that just okay is not okay. Just okay is not okay. So maybe you have seen some of these commercials. I'll refresh your memory here. Um, Like one of the first ones that I saw was of the tattoo artist where he tells a guy that's getting his first tattoo that it's going to look okay. And, And the guy sitting in the chair looks at him and says, only okay? And the tattoo artist, um, responds with the fact that he is one of the tattoo artists in the city. One of the tattoo artists in the city. Another one that stands out to me is this man that is waiting for surgery in the hospital bed. And his anxious wife asked the nurse, she says, have you ever worked with Dr. Francis? To which the nurse says, oh yeah, he's okay. (laughs) Not what you want to hear, right? But my personal favorite, it, it is all over the TV right now is where these fans are at a concert and the band is just not moving. They are frozen on stage, their mouths are moving, but that's it. And the fans are are confused, reminding us that boy bands without dancing are just okay. All of these ads depict various situations where settling for okay is unacceptable. The crazy thing about life is that we tend to demand excellence on things that are trivial and we settle for okay on things that really matter. And this is tough because as a child of God, we know that we're called to more, but we don't always see more. We don't always get to that place to where it feels like an abundance. As consumers, we don't particularly care for mediocre service or quality. It's like when we go out to eat, there's some expectations that we have when we go out to eat. Um, when we're seated at a table, we, we expect menus, you know, uh, have you ever been to a restaurant where they just forget to give you a menu and you actually have to ask for a menu? It's like, you're hurting yourself here. You know, give me time to look at everything and, and I may order more because it all looks so appetizing. Don't, don't hand me a menu and rush me through it. No, we expect a menu when we sit down. Uh, We expect for our order to be taken in a reasonable amount of time. We expect that if we order steak, that it will arrive at the table cooked to our specification. And if it's not, some of us in the room will send it back because we're paying good money for that steak, right? I mean, I like mine well done. That's how the Bible says to eat it. It says you're not supposed to eat the blood of an animal. So I eat mine well done the way it God intended for it to be. And if it's not well done, then, um, then I'm sending it back. When we're sitting at a restaurant, we like for our glasses to be refilled often. You know, especially if you're drinking a lot, you, you like for your glass never to go empty. You want it to be refilled throughout our meal. And if you're in the food service industry, let me give you a tip, okay? I'm going to help you out today. If you are serving our table, as in me and Miss Mandy, if you're serving our table, and, and I, I would just suggest strongly that you keep Miss Mandy's drink filled, okay? Because here's what all of you see at church. You see little old sweet Miss Mandy. Okay? That's what you see. 
But if you don't keep her drink filled, she turns into the Incredible Hulk. I'm, somebody, you know, Kendall's not here. Caleb, he'll be here in second service. Somebody that's had, had lunch or dinner with her. Am I telling the truth? Yep, Alexis is just over there trying, trying to bite her tongue. But Alexis, she can't fire you. I can, so you agree with me. Right? We expect excellent customer service. We don't like mediocrity. And we will reward service that is better than just okay. Mediocrity flows into other areas of our lives too. And unfortunately, we're almost forced to accept that. Do you remember when you used to dream about your ideal job? You remember when those days were there and, and you used to dream and you used to think, man, I just, I hope that one day I can be a, and, and, and you, you, that was just your dream job. That's what you wanted. You were going to be the manager. Maybe, maybe you were even dreaming to aspire to be the owner. But then one day you woke up far from your dream occupation and your career is just okay at best. Maybe you don't care for your, your boss very much only to realize that you're the owner. <laughs> and that's not even okay, is it? I mean, that's worse than okay. And when we're young, we dream of excellent marriages and quality families. I mean, that's, that's what we see. When we're young, we see that in our future. And, and we want that white picket fence with two and a half kids that make straight A's, and eventually when they graduate from high school, they get scholarships, and they will become doctors and lawyers, and they'll take care of mom and dad. That's what we dream about, right? And then one day, that child is in kindergarten, and it hits you, because they can't even stay on green for a whole day. <laughs> and you're like, this kid's never going to be a doctor or a lawyer, that no one will ever trust them to operate on another human being. It's not going to happen. And we have these expectations of what that marriage will look like only to wake up one day to realize that life is just okay. It's not great. Life is just okay. And so if you're like me, you've been forced to answer this question before. Is this as good as it gets? Even children of God find themselves sometimes in a place to where we're just like, is this it? Is this the pinnacle of my life? Is this the best that I'm going to experience? And if all of that is not disappointing enough, the love and the power that we first felt when we came to Christ has given way to a mediocre faith at best. And we don't walk by faith and not by sight. No, we walk by a close look at our surroundings and our circumstances and we make a judgment call from that. That's how we tend to walk. We tend to put our trust in a current situation more than we do in a God who can part seas. More than we do in a God that can close the mouths of lions. More than we do in a God that can drop giants. And because of the hand that life deals us sometimes, we get stuck in that mindset. We believe in God. We appreciate Jesus. Hey, we even acknowledge the Holy Spirit. But our faith is just okay. How depressed are we right now? I mean, you're like, Pastor, there's a storm coming. You just told me how bad my life stinks. 
maybe I should go ride out the storm in the ocean in a kayak, you know, <laughs> maybe, that, maybe that's the answer. There's three different types of people in this room right now. I guarantee you, you fall into one of these three categories. There, first of all, there's the people that are better than okay. We hate you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. There's people in the room that, that, that they're better than okay, and that's where we want to get, okay? And so if you're better than okay right now, praise God that you're better than okay. I hope you can stay there for as long as you possibly can. Chances are the rug's going to be pulled out from under you at some point, and, and you're going to have to find your way back there. And that's where some of us are going to get to today. We're going to be better than okay before we walk out of, that, out of this room in Jesus' name. Amen? And then there are people that are just okay. And probably a lot of us in the room, we fall into this category. We're just okay. And then there are people that are not okay. I got to thinking about this some over this past week with the events leading into this, this hurricane. And, and um, there's, there's people that this past week when everyone went into a panic to get gas... Uh, there were people that were, were better than okay. They were the first ones there, and, and they filled up quickly, and, and their timing was just perfect. Then there are those people that are okay, kind of like I was. Um, I made it to the gas station. I had to wait in line, and I didn't run out of gas, and, and I got gas, and, and life is okay. It was a little frustrating, but it was okay. And then you got other people that they were just not okay. Like they're waiting in line, and they run out of gas waiting in line. Pastor Scott. <laughs> Happy birthday, buddy. <laughs> Through 22 years of ministry, I've come to realize that there are a few misconceptions about happiness, though. And, and, and these sound so elementary, but I really want you to think about this because some of you right now, you've got this mindset that, that if, if you could acquire these things, that your life would be so much better, that your life would be just happier. And, and the first one is obvious, it's wealth. You know, if I, could just, if I could just be wealthy, it would fix so many of my problems. And, and not necessarily is that the answer for you. I have seen happy rich people and I've seen happy poor people. There, we have some in this room. We have happy rich people and we have happy poor people. I have seen sad rich people and I've seen sad poor people. Money does not buy happiness. Matter of fact, I've, I've seen real poverty not not what we see in the united states i've been in third world countries before and i've seen some of the happiest people on this planet in third world countries that that they um do you, do you know the term they don't have a pot to pee in you know what i'm talking about they don't have a pot to pee in but man they are so happy the richest man he had more wealth than any of us could imagine. Solomon, King Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes 6 and 2. He said, God gives some people wealth, possessions, and honor so that they lack nothing their hearts desire, but God does not grant them the ability to enjoy them. Listen to what this king is saying. He has all the money, and he says, listen, I've got it all, but man, God just hasn't given me the ability to enjoy this. Ecclesiastes 5 and 10 says, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money. Some of you are like, well said, King, but boy, I sure would like to try for a day, right? <laughs> the truth is wealth is not going to make things better than okay. And for some of us, it's not necessarily wealth, it's, it's position. We want position. If we could just find position, then, then, then we feel like life will be better. And I'm telling you, I have dined with CEOs and I have feasted at tables at McDonald's with, with day laborers. 
And, and I can tell you that some of the most miserable people I've seen are CEOs and some of the happiest people I've seen are day laborers. I can assure you that titles and positions don't secure happiness. As a matter of fact, to be great in the kingdom of God and to find the joy that God wants us to, to, to develop in our hearts, you must first go to the bottom of the totem pole and, and, and you've got to be a servant is what Jesus said. So position is not going to make you happy. And, and finally, I'll say that health, I'll go as far as to say that health doesn't make you happy. It, it doesn't secure happiness. I've witnessed happy, healthy people, and I've witnessed happy, unhealthy people. Uh, I have seen people with perfect health that feel like they have nothing to live for, and then I've seen people on their deathbed more alive than some people that are walking around and breathing. And so what is it that determines our outlook on life? What is it that changes a person's mindset to where it, it, it's not wealth, it's not status or position, it's not health. What is it inside of a person that makes them see life differently? People that face the exact same circumstances. Some are better than okay. Some are just okay. And yet others are not okay at all. And the Apostle Paul addressed this in his letter to the church in Philippi. I want to read Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 8 through 13, but, but as I often do, I'm going to be stopping um, just kind of spontaneously through these verses. And so if you'll just hold your spot there, we're going to read Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 through 13. This is a, a letter that, that Paul is writing to the church there, and, and we're getting towards the end of the letter. Um, now, Paul is notorious for uh, like having two or three closings for, for a letter, okay? So just because Paul's, Paul's your average preacher, you know, when a preacher says, in closing, it means absolutely nothing, right? Paul does that from time to time, but he is getting close to the end of the letter and, uh, and, and he's winding down. And so in verse eight, Paul says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Listen to what Paul says. This is what he's saying to the church. He says, concentrate on what's going right and not with what's going wrong. Have you ever met someone that they can only see the negative they're like a natural Debbie Downer. That's who they are. There used to be a woman that, that went to our church early years. None of you would know her. We were actually in the old student center across the street, early days of starting the church. And I would walk in every Sunday. And as I would walk around and, and greet, you know, like the 60 people that were there, um, I would walk around and shake hands with them. And, and I, I, I just came to realize that this woman, every time that I walked up to her, it was just Debbie Downer. I mean, it was so depressing to walk up to this woman. I mean, you could walk up to her and I would intentionally say things like, man, praise the Lord. What a beautiful day it is today. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And she would be like, my cat died. <laughs> oh, sister, I'm so sorry to hear that your cat died. You know, but look at the bright side. One last mouth to feed. Yeah, I just picked up 27 cans of cat food yesterday. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. Hurricane's coming. You ever ate cat food? I mean, hey, not sorry. Sorry. All the cat lovers in the room hate me right now. 
Paul said to concentrate on what's going right. He said, think about that. Think about that. Concentrate on these things. Think about that. Will you just say those three words with me? Say, think about that. Say it again. Think about that. You're going to have to say it a few more times, so you might as well say it again. Think about that. You may not have the position that you hope for, but at least you do have a job. Think about that. Oh, you're going to catch on. You're going to be with me. You may not have the home that you dreamed about, but at least you have a roof over your head. Man, you guys are good. Your marriage might not be a fairy tale that you hope for, but you're not a prince and, and uh, she's not a princess and uh, they still want to live with your butt. So there you go. See, you see it. Paul said, think about that. Concentrate on these things. There are some good things that are happening in your life and you can concentrate on all the negative that you want to, but it's not going to fix anything. He said, concentrate on the things that are going right. You've got to build upon that because those are faith building moments for you. And so, no, life may not be exactly what you want, but there are some things that you can be thankful for. Think about that. In verse 9, he continues, and he says, what, have you learned and received, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. There it is. There's that word. Some of you knew I was coming to this word and you were like, oh, he's going to get there. And you know, that, that word content is one of the words in the Bible that drives me insane because I'm not good at just being content. If you're anything like me, I'm not good at being content. And, and it drives me crazy just to be content. And it's such an interesting word. And in my research, I found out that this is the only place in the Bible where this particular Greek word is used. It's the only place where you find this word for content. And it means to be satisfied in self-sufficiency. And that really messes up my theology. Because that kind of goes against everything that, 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 that I preach. That in this moment, Paul says, in whatever situation I find myself in, I am to be content. I am to be satisfied in self-sufficiency. And what you have to understand is that this is your part. We haven't even got to God's part yet. When you find yourself in a situation and you learn to be content in that situation, you, this is all within your own ability. And, and this is your part. And, and, and you, you can't change what's happened. It, it's happened. You can't change it. And so you learn to accept that because only in accepting that are you going to be able to move past that. I'm reminded of this time in 1 Samuel chapter 30 where David and his men, they returned home to their village of Gilgal. And... And when they got back, they, they found that the Amalekites had raided the village and they had burned down their homes. But the worst part of the whole thing is that they found that all of their livestock was gone, all of their children were gone, and their wives were gone too. They had taken them all captive. And, and all of us know this. I mean, we, we see this happen uh, at the corporate level. We see this happen on a church level. That it all starts at the top, right? And if we've experienced this failure, then, then somewhere in the middle of all this, David's got to be, I mean, he's our leader. He's got to be at fault here. 
And the Bible says that, that his people were ready to stone him. The men, his mighty men, they are ready to kill David. They are ready to stone him. And David, in the middle of this despair, the Bible says that rather than getting down and out and just finding himself in a good case of the mully grubs, here's what David does. The Bible says that David strengthened himself in the Lord. That somehow David, in the middle of that despair, he said, God, only you can give me the wisdom and the ability to fight through this and, and, and to make something out of nothing. God, I need you. Strengthen me, Lord. And David strengthened himself in, his, in, in the Lord his God. You see, when you do your part, God is faithful to do his part. Listen to what Paul said, continuing in verse 12. Paul said, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul was no stranger to the hardships of life. And some of you right now, you might be thinking, well, Paul, Paul was not in my situation and, and he can't relate with me. Oh, Paul knew the hardships of life and yet he chose not to focus on the moments that were not okay. Listen to some of the moments that were not okay in his life. Paul was beaten in prison. One time he was almost beaten to death. Five times the Jews beat him with 39 lashes across his back. Five different times they beat him 39 times. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was stoned and left for dead. He lived through three shipwrecks. And, and one time he spent a night and a whole day at sea, just, just adrift at sea. At various times the, uh, in David's life, he, he found himself cold and hungry or hot and thirsty numerous times. Paul experienced the struggles of life, but he learned to be okay with whatever life threw at him. And like Paul, church, we've got to learn to face the trials of life with not our own strength, but the strength of Christ. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And when we find that mindset, suddenly we start to realize that the circumstances around our lives begin to change. I've heard it said, I, I, I did not, I, I'm not the originator of this, I did not create this quote, but I've heard it said before that it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. It's okay that, that life has dealt you this and you, you are who you are and it's left you wounded, it's left you scarred, it's left you jaded, whatever it is, it's okay. But it's not okay for you to stay that way. There is something extraordinary that happens when you allow Christ to strengthen you through times that, that life is just okay. And Jesus said these words in John chapter 10 and verse 10. He said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. As I so often do, I looked up the word abundantly for you. And in the Greek, it means beyond what is anticipated, exceeding your expectations. How many of you would like to walk out of this room today with a completely different mindset of your circumstance and walk into an abundance where it's exceeding your expectations of what you actually thought was going to happen? Anybody else besides me? 
I mean, I need that in some areas of my life. I need to walk out of this room and I need it to be beyond what I anticipated. I need it to exceed my expectations. So I want to go back to 1 Samuel chapter 30 again, back to David. After David encouraged himself in the Lord, then he went back to his men and he said, men, let's go get our stuff back. He leads these men through a series of events, they catch up with the Amalekites. And the Bible says that they, they defeat the Amalekites, they, they get their wives back, they get their, their children back, they get their livestock back, and then they take some of the flocks and the herds. They take all of the flocks and the herds that also belong to the Amalekites. Sometimes God wants to send a message to the enemy. This is what abundant living begins to look like. Now, I'm not a prosperity preacher, and today, I, trust me, I am not saying that if you do this, God's going to lay a million dollars in your lap. That's not what I'm saying at all. I, I'm not even talking about money today. I'm talking about abundance in a mindset. There are times when God wants to send a message to the enemy because you are a child of God. And God is re ready and he is willing to fight for you. And, and not only in those moments, not only will you get back what rightfully belongs to you, but you will get back in an abundance also. David went into that camp with his men and he got back his wife, his kids. Those men got back their wives and their children. And, and then they got back their livestock. And then they got the Amalekites' livestock. And they went back to Gilgal and they had more than what they had to begin with. This is when that mindset hits you and you start realizing not only will I get my job back, but I'm going to get a promotion in the process. Not only will I see my children saved, but you know what? I'm going to drag some of their friends from hell too. This is the mindset that God has called us to. This is abundant living. Not only will we have children when they said that we couldn't have children. Oh, we'll just show the devil. We'll have twins. This is what happens when you begin walking in the abundant living that God has promised us because the enemy wants to rob you of all of your joy, every ounce of joy that you have. And he'll try to convince you that your life is the worst. And he wants to empty your life of, of all the joy that you have because he understands what the prophet said in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And when you find yourself in the middle of a moment that's, that's just not okay, or you find yourself even in a situation that is just okay, you've got to remind yourself that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so many Christians, they lose the battle before they even try to fight. Listen, if you, if you can walk out of this, this room today in faith believing and let joy begin to rise up inside of you, you're going to begin fighting a battle that you didn't even know that you were in. Learning to be okay in all circumstances changes the atmosphere of your life because you begin to learn to speak life and not death. As humans, we're naturally good at, at looking inward and outward. That's how we do things. It's our natural tendency. We look inward and outward. We, we look inward to, to see how am I feeling right now in this moment? How does this situation make me feel? And good Lord, in the place that our society is at right now, we are so inward focused on our feelings. We're so easily offended right now, aren't we? Oh, I don't have time to get political this morning. Let's stay right here. How am I feeling right now? How scared am I of this situation? I don't have the strength inner strength to do this right now and we look inward 
And then we begin to look outward. And often we'll look outward and it'll affect how we feel inward because we'll begin to look outward and we'll realize that, that this is too much for me to contend with. I cannot handle this. And you're exactly right. By yourself, you cannot handle this. In your own ability and under your own power, you cannot handle this. But with Christians, as humans, we look inward and outward. But as Christians, we begin to look upward. We begin to look up. David would write this psalm, and he said in, in Psalm 121, he said, I lift up my eyes to the hills. He's looking up. He said, I lift up my eyes to the, the, to the hills. From where does my help come? He says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. When you learn to be okay in all circumstances, God will not let you settle for okay. Paul had something here. I've learned to be content. And God says, I will not leave you in that place. Learn to be okay, but I won't leave you there. I want to talk about this today and not next week at our anniversary service celebration because next week, I, I just I want us to focus on where we've been and where we're going and, and I, I really don't want to dwell too much on the construction. Other things are moving great right now. What you have to understand and what most people in my inner circle do understand is that I went into Easter this year just about as depressed as I possibly could be. It was a very tough time in my walk of faith. After months of, of value engineering on our, on our construction and, and so many unexpected delays, our project just looked hopeless. And I would stand up each week and I would try and speak by faith to try and encourage you to hold on. But there were moments when I was beginning to lose hope. There were just so many things that were going wrong. And around January, when they were supposed to start erecting the, the steel for the building, and, and we were not close to that, and I knew that it was going to be delivered at the end of January. But it was around January that in a, in a construction meeting with our construction company, I, I voiced to them, I said, no, gentlemen, we have plenty of time to make this happen on Easter weekend at our extravaganza, there's going to be hundreds, if not thousands of people that pour onto that property. And it's going to be such a great momentum builder for us if people coming onto that property will be able to see construction. Because here's what happens. And those of you that volunteer at this event or those of you that bring your children to this event and you have any friends that come with you, you know that they look over there at that construction site and they're like, when do you all expect to be in? Guys, I could pay that building off. I could pay that mortgage off if I had a dollar for every time I've been asked that question. And I did not want to go into Easter weekend having to answer those questions. What I wanted was for there to be concrete, and I wanted the steel to be up. That's as far as, as they needed to be. If they could just make it to that point by Easter, I felt like it would be a great momentum push for us. We get to Easter get to the extravaganza the day before Easter out on that property, hundreds of people pouring into that property, and we don't even have concrete. 
And to be honest, I really didn't have an answer on when we, we would have a slab. I, I had no idea. I was very discouraged, but I knew that it was Easter weekend. And I mean, let's be honest with each other. Easter weekend, we're celebrating the Lord's resurrection. I mean, it's like, okay, God's got bigger fish to fry than your building project right now. We want to see souls saved. Amen? And there's people here today that you gave your heart to, to Christ on, on Easter Sunday, and we praise God for that. And that's one of the reasons why we celebrate that day so big. But I'm letting you know, leading into that weekend, my heart was heavy. And it was, it was a very human approach to, to disappointment. But I decided that I was going to let it be okay. That going into that weekend, I was going to let it be okay. That I was going to learn to be content in that circumstance. I didn't like it. But there was nothing that I could do about it at that point, and it was a big weekend for our church. And so I showed up out there, and I started shaking hands and encouraging volunteers. And I remember I looked out towards the road at one point, and there were just cars lined up for days to turn into that property. And for a brief moment, it hit my mind. They missed the deadline. Look at all these cars, all these people that could... <clears throat> Originally, we were supposed to be in that building by Easter. <sighs> Rocky, you can't let your mind go there. Be content. Be content. Be content. Make yourself be content right now. And I walked out there, and I began walking among all of the, the parking team members that were out there and just, you know, checking on them. They had their hands full. I mean, over 500 cars they parked that day. And I just remember just walking by them and just talking with them. And they would, you know, hey, pastor, how you doing? And they're, they're just, they're doing their job. Well, as I was walking back up, I found myself standing next to one of our parking team members. And he looked at me and he pointed over and he said the sentence that I did not want to hear. What's going on over there with the construction? I said, man, I don't know. And this guy, this particular volunteer has a background in construction, and he looked at me and he said, put me in, coach. Now, for you, that means nothing. For me, it was the weight of the world being lifted off my shoulders. Put me in, coach. I said, you're serious, aren't you? And he said, I know this business. Within two weeks, we had him as an owner rep for our church. And I can tell you from this day or from that day forward, things have progressed quickly. And I can say this, that I and my wife, she, she, will, she will testify to this too. My mind is so much better than where it was at. When I found myself at a place of contentment, I didn't want to be okay, but I had to be okay. And when I found myself there, God said, no, I'm not going to leave you at just okay. You've done your part. Now let me do mine. I'm not at liberty to talk in much detail about who this is and, and who's doing this as, as they just kind of want to remain in the background for right now. But I'm telling you, God heard my prayers that day. Scripture tells us, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Whatever situation you're in right now, you can continue thriving in that funk if you want to. Or you can learn to become content. I can't change it, 
but I'm not going to let this get me down. I'm going to allow the joy of the Lord to be my strength. I'm going to press through. I'm going to fight through this. And when you find yourself in an okay situation, God says, okay, you've done your part. Now I'm not going to leave you there. Let me do my part. And I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.